Bleep, 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 bleep. Draw and Discard is an independent production. The views and opinions expressed in the show are entirely the responsibility of those who express them and are not necessarily representative of the hosts, guests, sponsors, or anyone else involved in the show. ドローアンドディスカードポッドキャスト。キルチームエディション。ポッドキャスト。いや。ポッドキャスト。いや。ポッドキャスト。いや。ポッドキャスト。いや。ポッドキャスト。いや。ポッドキャスト。いや。ポ
here at Athena, and I think it was like really heavily reduced, and there was some like rule books and stuff floating around. No, no, no we 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 sold through it. That sold. Uh, um, oh no, sold... I'm thinking of Old Kill Team. That yeah, you're thinking of Old Kill Team. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously we've reviewed Necromunda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, which was again, it's like a, a redo of one of the very old games. I prefer like... this to Necromunda actually. I know yeah. you prefer Necromunda. I don't know. I I said that, and then I actually went away and thought about it, and I thought maybe not because I like Necromunda's a bit more RPG. Like you have like more skills, and you can do stuff. There's like lock picking and opening doors and da da da. But actually, after playing Kill Team, I feel like it flowed better I actually yeah. enjoyed my time playing Kill Team more well you yeah. and I were kind of like having fun with it like oh it goes off the armour ping ping oh no don't yeah, run yeah. away from me you know that sort of thing whereas I think with Necromander while there was that RPG element because there were so many elements to it you didn't really have a chance to switch off and do a bit of fun narrative because you were like oh wait there's an ability and yeah it wasn't it wasn't and... as smooth no. I don't think Necromander and I think because um, uh, Kill Team is basically Entirely based off the new edition, mm-hmm. which is good. Good start. Um, and the thing about it is, is that it seems like it can definitely pl- be played single, independent games. The thing about Necromunda is you've got the whole RPG element, but that RPG element requires a campaign, some kind of like a string of games yeah. put together, and you're like your little warband of of gangers like growing in strength and gaining all their character and stuff. And you can still do that with Necromunda, um, with Kill Team Pardon. It's all it's all there. In like the back of the book, but you don't have to. But you don't have to. Which is the good. And it can it can be played independently because after I played um, two or so games with it, um, with some friends, and yeah, it was it was it was really good. I got absolutely destroyed, but um, it was really good, and I learned a lot about a lot about the game itself. And mm-hmm. it seemed like like it might actually have like a if we do some like tournaments, it might actually it's like some competitive. To it. I was going to say, like, throwing back to a review we did a while ago, which isn't a miniatures game, but kind of had a similar feel to me, is uh, Dragonfire. Because that, once again, was good fun, but like Necromunda, kind of required that dedication of several people continuously having a campaign in order for it to kind of flow a little bit more. Whereas Kill Team, like you said, there is those RPG elements, but they're not necessary... And there is enough going on that you kind of have a little bit of RPG going on in the game itself. Mm. Uh, one thing, I because I'm still quite noobish at any miniatures games besides Shadespire, or for anyone listening who's not as familiar, um, is there any kind of major core differences between Kill Team and regular 40k? Like um, that market? So basically, because obviously we're playing on a, smaller, a much smaller board, so we're playing on the, the board you get in the core box is a 22-inch by 30-inch board. So it's about, I don't know, like it's it's nearly near the width of one of our tables here. Mm. Um, I don't know what to really compare it to, really. But yeah, 22 inches by 30 inches, grab a ruler or something. table. It's like half, work. well, not quite half. It's like, it's about the size of the pitch in the Guild Ball kickoff box if you don't put the... Mm. That extra bit. Yeah, it's it's about the size sort of, of a, like a two thirds of a guild ball pitch. It's about the size of a normal board game board yeah. or a larger board game board, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Um, no, it's it's definitely got some. So the core differences is like there's lots of um, modifiers for your guys because obviously it's focused around like single model movement rather than squad model movement. Mm. And so like um, if you're shooting at a guy and he's at um, he's over half the range of your gun, you take a minus one to hit. So it it's it sort of slows the game down that way because it degrades you for like oh the guy's in cover you take a minus one to hit 
Whereas in 40k, he'd just get plus one to his save. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically it, isn't it? Is the, the key difference between this and, and a war game is, yeah, model count. And then they've built loads of stuff in to make those models more survivable because yeah. you have so many less of them. So you, they don't die straight away. You, like, roll against whether or not they're going to die or take a flesh wound. As you say, like, there's tons of modifiers built in. So it's essentially a tiny war game with a load of modifiers built in yeah. so that you're not just having a unit wiped out as they would be if you yeah. used just 40k rules I with five it, models. It is, it is still, like, complicated S, but it's not as complicated as Shadow War or Necromunda was. Yeah, because Shadow War had lots of stuff going on. Yeah, it it seems to come in a more, um, I'm trying to think like intrinsic, coherent way. In that you know we were talking about when when because John and I played a game mm. or two together, um, we were talking about individuals and and kind of laughing at these traits that make them certain things like oh this guy's an absolute tank he's got this you know rad saturation he's going to come in there with the with his power sword you know yeah. And, because it makes sense to the character, and obviously you get visual clues from the models as well, um, it was a lot easier to kind of grasp. Um, and obviously, if you were to then paint your team, you could customize them and you know add your own little RPG elements, however you want, like in Guild Ball or Blood Bowl and stuff like that. Yeah. You have that slight opportunity I mean, to kind of customize your dudes. I, I think that's a huge part of it because <clears throat> because it is so much smaller, you can like put a lot more effort into the individual minis, you can do a lot of kit bashing, uh, you know, kind of putting minis together in different ways to what you normally would and customizing them as you say, giving them custom paint jobs. And then because you can actually like name the dudes and like kind of build personalities for them and all that kind of stuff. So it's basically a way of kind of having some like elite models that are both kind of elite in terms of how the game works and also kind of elite in terms of your collection because they can be real showpiece models because there's so much less of them compared to like you know when you've got to get a 2000 point army painters so i think that's like that cool. time you had to uh bash out how many skaven was it yeah like get 80 skaven painted yeah. in like two weeks but like yeah so i think that that's what's quite attractive about it for me is i've kind of been thinking oh cool i can like practice like kit bashing and like kind of messing around with making custom minis and do a lot more a, with them yeah. than I would if I was trying to get like a whole army a guy painted. brandishing an arm of his enemy you know yeah. you can do whatever you want with yeah. it which is great because um, yeah, I, I think all the models always want all we want to do that you want to make a like a you want to like kit bash a really really cool little squad but normally when you're building like big armies for 40k it's like okay it's going to be easier if everyone looks the same because I've got to get people painted and people ready but with this it's really nice because you can you can have those squads that have got like a mix of like ranged weapons and melee weapons and it makes sense in terms of the game like a little sure ragtag band a little ragtag yeah. band of, of dudes like um the the death watch um for the space marines are a prime example of that because um they're they're basically built for it in terms of like the story and their gameplay and they're they're basically like built around like oh every guy can be equipped completely different if you want them to because they're like this sort of avengers style meetup of all different yeah. space marines <laughs> what are they fighting over <laughs> Um, What's the excuse for why they're all fighting? So because like, in the, the grim dark of the future there is only war. There is only war. <laughs> That's, yeah. You don't need anything else. Is it reason? There's like a little fluffy bit at the beginning. Yeah, of I've the not really thing. read the fluff of Kill. I think it's. Uh, I think they're just fighting over like resources, like food yeah, and so stuff. Like, like the way they sort of ham it out is like kill teams happen essentially all the time, and like you'll get like people going into like the ruins of cities and stuff like that. And it's very much reflected when we go when we have a look at like the campaign stuff for it, where it, like 
every player is a faction and you've got a number of resources and winning or losing a match will gain you or lose your resources and it's it's just sort of stuff like that so the the core box if we want to quickly talk about that so that's got game board in it uh, you've got loads of the new um, Sector Imperialis terrain, which is the modular city style terrain. And they look great. They've yeah, got I mean, a lot they're, of detail They're, they're on classic them. 40k gothic sci-fi, yeah, aren't they're, they? They're sort of replacing the old Sector Imperialis stuff, and they are gorgeous. Great yeah. scenery. They're a bit fiddly when you get towards the end of them, as I discovered, um, and John discovered last night. Hope you enjoyed that, John. Oh, yeah, so we were building the, the ones that... They are the ones that come in the starter box, but they're available separately and they're in the grey plastic whereas the ones in the starter box are in like a sandy coloured plastic yeah so they're basically you can stick them on the table and they look like scenery you don't even need to like paint them I mean obviously you're going to want to paint them but you can just start playing straight away they're getting well into their coloured plastics aren't they GW yeah because all of the all the teams so you get uh, Dune Steel Cults and um, the Scutari of the Adeptus Mechanicus which are also thankfully colour coded yeah. you've so got red and grey Skatari and red oh, and then the, thank goodness for the that the cuts are in like sort of a blue grey yeah because Necromunda wasn't was it they were all they were all, all the same colour yeah, so it's very difficult to identify the teams mind you they've done that in uh, Shadespire as well haven't they I think almost all of the yeah. oh yeah every, every, every team in Shadespire has is different, different colour like they're definitely they're, they are rocking the coloured plastics at the moment which is great because you know it makes no difference to the people that paint like it's fine because they're going to base coat those and paint them anyway um, and I've actually I've heard some people that do paint moaning about the use of colour plastics in typical like you know Nerd when I say people I mean Simon <laughs> <laughs> going oh I don't see why they're bothering with coloured plastics because we're going to paint them and it's like yeah but the coloured plastics not for you Simon it's for people that aren't going to paint like, yeah exactly but I don't like these products being made more accessible it's annoying one of the things is, is because they've selected these colour schemes when we got the starter kit straight out of the box um, oh yeah because you built that thing didn't you uh, no I built uh, the Oh yeah, that was so stuff that you hurt yeah. all my fingers because <laughs> all of the the ghosts were very spiky. But when when you get that straight out of the box, color scheme wise, it looks great. You've got like these sandy colored walls. You've got these gray, mm. you know, bulky guys. You've got these red, you know, fiddly. You don't even need to know anything about the law to instantly look at these guys and say, I know. Yeah, this team is shooting this team. Like, it's very yeah, obvious it, it, And also, it tells you about their character. You know, you've mm. got these big burly guys, you've got these little nymph... Like, they've made it very, once again, accessible. Um, and on top of that, you get the core rule book. Yeah, you get the you get the core rule book. You get tokens. the scenery and some tokens. All, everything you um, need, really. And some yeah. dice. Yeah, Rulers. So, so, and I think, uh, so you were going to cover kind of what the narrative of the, the starter box is as well, so. Yeah, so I, I haven't I haven't read the, the fluff for it, but yeah, but it's essentially like the, because you've got the genes of the cults and they're basically like, in the story, there's, you've got the, the Tyranids, so if you've been over 40k, and they're, they're basically like trying to infiltrate a world, and so they're inf- they'll infect the human populace, and it's kind of like, and they'll become these horrible mutants. So if you've seen some of the models, they've got like these massive sort of heads. There's they're one the, with like a the, giant with a tongue. tongue yeah. And, yeah, they're all like they're, very They're the alien-y. HR Geiger army, aren't they, the Tyranids? They're very much based on like the yes. Xenomorph oh, kind yeah, of they're... alien style. And they've got the... And like the Xenomorph, they're all kind of weird bio-entities that can kind of breed in other entities. And basically and the Xenomorph, which is the gene stealer. Yeah. Um, and it'll basically go out to a planet and infect the planet. And then the, they'll try and like prepare the world for the gene stealers, uh, for the Tyranids to come. And so you've got the mechanic, the Adeptus Mechanicus and their Skitari. And so they've sort of sent the Skitari into this sort of city to go find these gene stealers and... Stop them. Stop them, yeah. So that's the that's the box. And it's a, re- it's a really nice box. The box is actually... The box itself, the cardboard box, is a really nice quality. 
No, the whole thing's a great product. Yeah, it's no, it's, kind of, it's a it's a really it's a really nice product. It's the kind of box where you definitely want to like once you've got everything out, you want to pop it up on like your shelf and yeah. admire. It's got nice artwork. It's and like, and like nice you know the, the the Skatari versus the Gene Stilicots is is nice because the Gene Stilicots are very like uh, biologically focused, so they're kind of like big hench dudes that yeah. are kind of like and they got multiple arms. Yeah, and and, and then the Skatari are very technologically focused, so they're they're the dudes that basically they are part biological, right? But they're kind of rebuilt as yeah. machines. So it's kind of it's it's, yeah, it's machine versus biology, which well, is quite a classic. One of their kind of abilities is bionics, which is yes. a uh, which affects their save rolls. I believe the idea. I guess the idea being that they could just replace a bit instead of yeah, or they've wound. got like you know faster than human reflexes and yeah, stuff because of all their machine thing. parts. And yeah, because they've got like they've all all the Skatari have like re- get their arms and legs replaced. As part of the story, um, yeah. So they're very kind of skinny and droidy looking, yes. whereas the um, uh, Gene Steeler cops are very like blokey and, and like bald headed and kind of, of biological like, looking. So they're very they're, they're nice. Yes, yes. This, they have rad saturation. They can like irradiate their opponents so, if they're yeah, in melee it, range, it's why, which is it's great. Where they've got um, separate arms because basically in the story, there's like they're essentially like the foot soldiers of the Mechanicum. The Mechanicum's like the engineers of the Imperium. And so basically, what they end up, what they usually end up doing, is they'll end up wandering around these worlds, and they're horribly irradiated. So the guys themselves pick up all this irradiation, but um, and so they'll just go it. up to someone and go, "We're all irradiated, you know. Uh. Just come hug me." And as I discovered, there is one guy in the Skatari, As I said before, he was an absolute tank, and I love him. <laughs> yeah, you're the leader, the, dude. the little sergeant with his power sword. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that so? Is, is it five or six of the Gene Stealers? In the starter set. So there are actually four... ten of each. So those teams that we're playing with, are they teams you've put together or are they so, recommended yeah, so, demo teams? Um, basically, they're like recommended demo teams because okay. you, you end up with um, four. So the, the guys, the sort of the game you played had four Skitari and six Gene Silicots in it. And the Skitari actually still had more points um, because they've, they've just got better guns. They, so that... This is the thing. They seem to have a lot more abilities. They seem to have um, better weapons. So it's very much kind of a few elite versus yeah. um and is that with the full teams is that still the case is it less but better skitari and more but maybe not quite as refined yeah, as gene so, stealers yeah because the the gene stealers at the end of the day are just basically normal people but they've got this they've been horribly mutated by this by the, by the tyrants been given a gun go get them yeah <laughs> yeah they're, and they're also like crazy religious zealots as well so that that helps um but yeah so in the in the box um what you get for like um like people who are already in the game yourself, you basically get the ten man Skatari squad that you can buy separately, and the ten man um, I think they're neophyte hybrids squad for the Gene Steel Cults. So they're basically two bog standard kits, so you've got all the options in there to build them how you want. Um, unfortunately for Kill Team for um, for matched play, so it's the pointed play, you only get hundred points, so you won't be able to use all of each of the squads, but you'd be able to use the majority of them. And in like a campaign, you can have like like essentially like substitutes so you can have guys switch in and switch out and i suppose and they mix can just and match depending of, on who you're facing yeah they can just be part of your roster yeah yeah so yeah so to, to sort of dial it back a bit so to, to come back to the actual contents of the box so uh kill team is a it's, it's a straight up miniatures game so you know it is it is measuring distance it is moving distance in inches and all that kind of stuff um it doesn't have like widgets in the box like uh 
you know, some of the more modern miniatures games are now starting to kind of move away from tape measures. This is definitely a tape measure based game. However, you do get a 12 inch measure in the box, which you can use, which is kind of like a transparent thing, which is actually quite cool because it means you can like hold it over stuff and see yeah. through it. And so also that's it's quite bendy, cool. so going down walls. Yes, you can jazz. bend it up buildings and stuff, um, which yeah, is which is been, quite They've useful. been doing a lot of those for like, because they started with 7th edition and then the Soul Wars box had one in it yeah. and this has got one in it as well, which is... And then... And, and then, then had one in it as well. And then you, you get the core rule book and you get, as I say, the, these 10 models. Oh, tell you something you always get, you also get, you also get all the data cards. Yes, I was going to come on to the that. So that's what I was going to talk about with, with kind of coming on to points play um so yeah so you get as you say the models are existing sprues as they call them they are basically already existing products that exist in the uh for hammer universe and can be bought separately so they have just kind of boxed a load of existing sprues um but you also get data cards with them which give you the specific information for playing kill team so this is what you need the core rule book for if you already own the models and all, all you need to buy is the core rulebook because that will give you these data cards, although obviously not as actual cards, but you can write them out yourself or print them or do whatever you want. But in the actual box, you get the data cards for the dudes. And all of those data cards have got all of the abilities, everything on them, not necessarily what those abilities mean. You need to refer to the core rulebook for that. But also what they've got on them is the points values. And that's the other thing you'll need the core rulebook for if you're trying to build a kill team from models you've already got. Yeah. So just like 40K, just like Age of Sigmar, you have an amount of points, which in this case is 100, and you can put whatever you like in your warband, as many models as you want, provided they do not total more than 100 points. So like a big strong model is going to be like 20 points. Tiny little model is going to be like six, seven points. Yeah, right? I think so. I mean, when I was looking at Tau, which are like, uh, so the Tau have got lots of drones and like little things. And I think I could get something like 14 models in there. Like it was yeah. ridiculous. It was like, because, because the drones are so cheap. So I can have like one big model and then tons of little models, the or you can have a like, few big models. The Skatari are like not about nine points each, so you probably have about ten of them. Yeah. So that makes the gameplay like super varied because you can be like, right, I'm just going to have like five massive models or you can be like, right, I'm going to have yeah. 20 tiny models and you can play all the... Di so all those different styles you're used to from your war games, just if you play war down. games, scale down. Exactly. So yeah. you've still got hordes sort of. You've still got like oh, know, yeah, you, armies you with can have big models. You've still, you know, got all that, that stuff. But still talking about, because uh, we're slowly just working our way through the contents of the mm -hmm. starter box, yeah, yeah. the one bit we haven't talked about yet, which is the same niggle I had with Necro Commander is the rule book because why is there no index? Yeah, I mean the rule book. I th actually, I think before we come on to the rule book proper, we should talk a little because what me and Hannah did was really come into it as like right, we're brand new players, so we started with the begin here sheet, which is a double-sided A4 sheet, which you'll see in your local game shop if they've got a demo game of this. Um, and basically that sheet is like, right, start here. And it teaches you the very basics. Now, the basics that it teaches you, if you've already played 40K, are basically 40K rules, right? Like all the shooting, all the movement, everything all works the same as 40K. To be fair, that as a total move was relatively clear. The, the issue with that, was that it was like we played the game that exact way so we we decided there were some things I played with Chris previously and he taught me some extra stuff so some things I was like well it's not on the sheet so we're going to ignore it we're going to pretend we don't know about it and what then happened was you lost hardcore because I had more models than you because it doesn't take into account any of the fancy stuff that, that the teams the can do so it's actually quite unbalanced as a first game because the gene stealer cults are probably going to win because literally all you're doing is shooting moving hitting Shooting, moving, hitting. That's it. That's the all you're Skitari doing. The are quite reliant on their abilities. Yeah, whereas there's a load of like more advanced stuff that the data cards cover that that sheet ignores. So that game was, you know, good to kind of just teach you the basics of the game. 
But then once we went into the main rulebook, so actually that part of the main rulebook was fine. You flick a few pages in, it's like part one, moving, and you go cool, and you read that, and you move all your models, and then you go part, well, you see roll for initiative, all that business, move all your models, then part two, shooting, cool, you go for all that. And actually that bit was quite good. We, I mean, well. we approached no, it like total newbies. Yeah. So I'm, besides the very, very core cool basics, and I've played a bit in Guild Ball and that sort of thing, I'm very newbish at this kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, let's pretend I know nothing about this can we just walk our way through the rule book and at first it was actually yeah, fine it was only when we got into the details and the abilities and the nitty yes exactly so you went what does what was it thingy the canticles of the omniscient yeah That's cam, 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 that, that one i think it means praises or something canticles is like chanting bad latin yeah so praising yeah you yeah. said what does whatever that was mean and i went oh and then i was like well i'll tell you what let's go to the index look up because it's an ability right it says yeah. ability canticles of the thing uh, and I was like cool right we'll go to the index look for abilities there's no index yeah. no glossary either also so, on the ability one of the pages that listed some of the abilities some of them they would outright tell you the abilities and some of them they'd be like turn to this yeah, page yeah like Necromunda <laughs> where it's like why can't you just put it all on the same page it did that in like shooting as well there was something that was like oh it was when you're looking at like what the different weapon types mean like assault etc and it's like all, like loads of them are listed and then it's just a couple that are just like see later on and you're like why <laughs> why not just put them on one reference page why move them around Out of, uh, it, this is the thing is that Kill Team is definitely accessible so if there's anyone out there who you know take it from someone who doesn't really play 40k if you want to get into this sort of thing kill team's a great you know entry point but my god they need to really sort out it's just weird it's just weird having to actually just flick through a rule book so for example i i came i was here before the the guys a little while ago and i was flicking through the kill team rule book and i thought oh i'm gonna look up some of the tower rules and i had to just flick through until i found how they're not even in alphabetical order those things so it's like you know it's like okay well you know where in the book that stuff is so you kind of flick to relatively the same place but then you have to like flick through all the pages just i don't understand not having an index it seems such a basic thing to skip we ended up marking all the different pages with unused data and cards. And that's what you have to do. You know, you have to, yeah, you, you're going to need, like, maybe post-it notes that you can rip up and kind of stick on the pages so that you know where the stuff you're going to constantly refer little, little to. That's, what, that's what's in my book now. Because yeah. I, I, was, I was playing, it's like, so I was up, like, the evening before I was going to play, so I was like, I'm just going to mark all these pages for all the specialists I'm going to use and all that. But then the problem is something new happens and you want to flick to an index. Like, you yeah. want to go, okay, what happens, you know, I can look up the rules about X yeah, and find we, it in the we index. Were, and it's we, just I not want, there. we wanted to look something up about flesh wounds. And it was it's just really annoying because they can do it. They did it with the 8th edition code. Uh, the 8th edition rulebook, it's got one. It's beautiful. Mm. Or you go, just go, where's that? It's here. But in the other books, in the later material they published, so... The second edition rulebook for Age Sigma and this, there isn't one. And I don't understand why it's not it's, there. It seems like so, like they've almost let themselves down because they are getting, you know, we've already gushed about how they're, you know, making things more accessible, the models, Coloured plastic, the, the layouts, yeah, exactly. you know, making games that allow people who may be a bit daunted by a big team starting off with something a little smaller and then they can, you know, move on to the bigger stuff later on. They're, they're putting all this effort in, but... They just really seem to let themselves down with the X, like how accessible the core rulebook is, which is such a big part of it. And it's just such a shame because I wanted to love every yeah. aspect of this I game. mean, maybe because I was saying to, to Chris before you got here that maybe it's something to do with the fact that they're starting to push digital rulebooks more. 
which mm. obviously you can control F on and find what you're looking for, or they may have some kind of like kind of hyperlinked index in them. But it just seems odd because the core market is definitely the paper stuff. Like I think most, I mean, I, I you see people sometimes looking at their phones for data sheets or data cards or war scrolls or whatever your your game calls them the information about the units. But mostly people are flicking through rule books while they're playing. Well, the so it seems very odd to me to not have because you know we've had indexes and glossaries in books since like what like the 1500s <laughs> like if we know that it's something you need and the reason you're playing these sorts of games is because you don't want to do something digital you want to do something tactile yeah. you want to be able to you know go hmm. aha you know run your finger down the page and look something up and then you know gesture and send your little yeah and, guys and, and also well, i don't know enough about how gw present their digital content to know whether or not that's true i don't know that their digital content is yeah. any more accessible than their paper content it could just be a pdf because I don't, I don't really use <laughs> i don't use their app i use battlescribe yeah. so well uh, anyway yeah because the the core rules themselves uh, briefly about those yeah they're, yeah they're laid out exactly the same as they are in eighth in the edition rule book which is really good because they're like about what eight pages because they i can't remember there's like yeah it's basically actual... like moving shooting fighting blah 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 yeah. and then there's like an advanced rules bit for if you want to play with being able to fall off buildings jump up yeah. and down all that kind which of stuff we, which we did because it's you know it's part it's of fun. the fun with a small game like that with yeah. lots of scenes right it's just like bits of That's adding, adding do, stuff yeah. in so yeah so you've got you've got that and then they move on to the advanced stuff, like falling off buildings and stuff and then oh god what have we got after that we've got all of the, the different types of missions you can play so um with uh, aos and 40k these days um Basically, Games Workshop have three ways to play. So you've got open play, where you can play with literally anything you like and how you like, near enough. Yeah. Um, there is the, but they'd say like, oh, you can have like about 12 models or something. And then narrative play, so that's like, those are always ones that reflect um, like specific events that happen that have happened in the 40k universe or ones they've made up for, the, for that particular system. And then you've got matched play, and those are missions specifically designed for um, pointed play. Mm-hmm. So one thing about the matched play, so all of the missions, I'm pretty sure, have a multiplayer option. So you can go to two from two to four players. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty I really sure like that. I remember touching on that in the the rules when we were reading through bits and pieces. And that bit I do quite like is this element that it could be like a three or four person free for all. Mm, yeah. Seems like a lot of fun. And the people I were playing I was playing with on uh, Monday were really excited about that. They were like, I just want to do big old scrum. Because how the game works is instead of having one player has a turn, the other player has a turn, everyone takes their turn at the same time. So, like, you have your movement, whoever... So you roll 2d6, and whoever gets highest has the initiative. And then, like, whoever has initiative will move their force. And then, in, like, your game, whoever, whoever was on the other side moved theirs. And then you shoot in alternatives, and then you, like, do fighting in alternatives as well, mm. which is great. And so that like lends itself to multiplayer, and that's really cool that that's there. Another element that lends itself quite nicely to multiplayer is obviously the uh, so everyone moves each of theirs at once, sort of thing. But then because of that, there might not be a need for the second person to move as many of their models because the people might be in range. In which case, they can ready an action, which means that despite the fact they didn't have the initiative, they might have the opportunity to move something beforehand which is a nice little way of bouncing out which is what happened with me um i didn't get the initiative for two turns in a row but because john was moving his characters in range anyway i could just ready some actions yeah so the ready yeah kind of allows for like a pre-initiative phase it's like it's quite yeah so and if you're ready do you get to shoot first yeah so it basically means help me not die so yeah so basically (laughs) if if you have the initiative 
and your opponent readies a model, you're going to want to ready a model first other, as well, otherwise they're going to get to shoot first, and then it's going to go back to initiative order. Yeah. But also, just to clarify on what you were saying there, that um, so when we say everything goes at the same time, it doesn't, in terms of game logic, oh, you yeah, still sorry. take it in yeah. turns. However, in terms of the internal logic of what's actually happening on the battlefield, the idea is every model is moving and reacting to each other at the same time. So the initiative just represents which model is like faster on the draw, which is going to get to you know yeah. pull the trigger first. So... Yeah, it, you, you still go back and forth as players, but the idea is that when you're visualising what's happening, everyone's kind of moving and doing yeah. stuff all at the same and, time. Yeah, I, I say that because, like, because obviously in 40k, people, like, each player has a separate turn. Yes. In this one, they don't. Yes. No. Sorry, that's what I was no, going. No, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, I, I get you. Put it well, in a really weird a, way. That's another big difference between that and something like the, the proper, as it were, 40k, mm. is that it's got a lot more of a, uh, a scrum-type feel to it, which... You know, gameplay mechanics reflecting the themes of the game, it makes perfect sense that yeah. these it is a little bit more of a free-for-all. Yeah. It is a little less, you know, regimented armies moving yeah, it's, units. It's, it's very much more like, like two people yanking yeah, something it's, back it's and forth. It's Ted versus Jim rather yeah. than squad Ted versus squad Jim yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I also, you know, I feel that as well that that's one of the things that I find the least accessible about large-scale war games is the amount of downtime, is the amount of time that you're just watching your opponent do stuff. Yeah. Like, that's happening less now because you're getting more reactive stuff brought into the game. So I think that's something GW are actively trying to fix is they're like, well, that is probably the least accessible thing to new players is that idea of, like, you know, because turns can take ages so sometimes you are literally just sat there like chin in your hands waiting for your opponent to do stuff and whereas this a reactive game back and forth you know feels faster feels more pacey feels more interesting to play yeah literally like warhammer you know big warhammer can take such a long time in turns that's starting to change whoops because there goes the phone as I say, with, with certainly with AOS 2, there's more reactive stuff. There's more like, no, well, I'm going to yeah. buy this skill and do this thing. And yeah. there's more interaction in the turns. Uh, but yeah, this is, you know, plays like a board game, back and forth. Yeah. Well, and because of that, once again, you know, we're talking about the RPG element, but that's a big part of it. Like you said, it's Ted versus Jim. It's this kind of, it's a lot more funny. You know, we had, a two, we had one of our, John and I both had a, two characters shooting at each other from a rooftop. Um, only to realise that I had armour piercing, and then he was like, "No!" and he jumped down behind a yeah, wall and hid behind a wall. And but then, the, oh, there was another character going after one of mine, and John forgot that I had a guy sneaking around the back through one of the buildings, and I was peeking through to make sure I'd line yeah. a sight. Like, I see you, you know. It's it's fun. It's a lot more fun, especially like you said, for people maybe who just don't like the downtime or aren't prepared for that level of downtime in something like forty k. It is definitely mechanics reflecting the themes and of also, the game. And also, you know, like preparation time as well is all very, very small. Mm. So, you know, in terms of building and painting the models, that's going to take a lot less time than like a full full army in, in the big games. In terms of building your lists, that takes less time. The list building process is more simplified. Um, so essentially it is just, you know, turbo war games. I mean, I think GW at the moment are trying a lot of ways of kind of... Uh, Combating X-Wing, basically, I think is what's going on, is X-Wing kind of came along and made these games, like, super accessible. Like, you don't even have to build and paint. Like, the games are really quick. Everything's super fast. List building's really straightforward. Like, and it basically kind of appeal to a whole market that GW didn't even really know was there, I think. Yeah. Like because they have such a huge core market anyway that they kind of suddenly went, Oh, hang on, there's like this whole group here that don't want what we're doing. So they've been experimenting with different ways and Shades Bio was one very different way of kind of presenting that mm. world Which while I still maintaining really you know and I actually think as well that kind of comes on to what I wanted to say about like uh, rules 
into fluff. I think something since getting into GW products and playing more of their stuff, once you kind of have a handle on how the rules work, it starts like you're really able to visualize in your head why they work like that. Like the dice rolls start feeling like the weapons that you're firing and stuff. They actually do a really good job, I think, of making abstract rules kind of work with the law of what's going on in the game. Like, for example, the, the grenade launcher, which has got two different types of grenades and just like how that works and how kind of it's unlikely to hit but when it does it can do loads of damage or it might not do very much damage because it's a grenade grenades bounce they don't necessarily you know they're not accurate and kind With of skitaro we have the high uh we have stuff that like basically debuffs your opponent's uh, yes. save rolls because it's basically armor piercing bullets they've got these little they've got massive range well the, and they are precision yeah because the skitaro got that even more because they've essentially because we we're talking about they're like they're like cyborgs mm. And the things with the canticles is like you've got like a list that you've got six to choose from. And so they've got this thing where they've essentially got different modes of operation. So yeah. like they've got one of them makes them really good at fighting. Yeah, like reprogramming And they've got round. one of them that's got really good at shooting. And that's but that's that's like the whole like characteristic of those guys. They're all about like uh processes and sort of programs and stuff like that because mm. of the the nature of like who they like are. Like I said, I hate to sound like a broken ruffle, but it is a really important part of games game design is the mechanics should always fit the theme of what you're doing yeah they need to translate into your head into some kind so of it, yeah, visual so image sense. of what's and happening and they're is, actually very good at it this is why warhammer kind of works a little bit m- more in terms of that big scale thing and moving whole units and taking time is because it's like you're at a war table moving units and planning out a battle yeah. but this is basically like i could imagine two of our guys like yanking a piece of food back and forth at each other and then one of them shooting the guy's hand and the other one like screaming yeah. you know it's it's got a slightly not to say that it you don't understand what's going on but it's definitely got a slightly more back and forth and yeah and i think yes yeah, so once you get over the initial like oh my god there's so many numbers and i don't really like you know the, you're like the the rules kind of feel like quite a big kind of abstract thing but then actually the once, once you numbers. kind of understand the basics of how the rules work you do start translating them in your head into kind of moving images of what's going on on the battlefield and that's quite exciting like actually i think because i remember when when we were reviewing guild ball i hadn't really played a lot of these games and the more I play GW games, and then I come back to like playing a few games of Guild Ball, I actually feel Guild Ball is much more abstract. There's a lot of stuff that kind of is very like rulesy on the cards, and then when you're actually trying to think, but like what's happening here? Like what is the actual like visual of what this rule like translates as for the character? The only one that I, I feel yeah. it, it doesn't translate quite as well as GW. I mean, GW have had like tons of practice doing this. And Guild Ball has its moments. Like I know in it does. the uh, Brewers Guild, there's the guy who basically like. He metaphor oh, the, the guy who lobs a barrel. Yeah, I think maybe, lobs a barrel and I you think go, maybe it, it's happening because Gilball's getting bigger and they're doing more and more factions, and because they kind of had these key rules that were for a very specific type of guild. Now that we're getting guilds that are more weird and more abstract in what they're doing, they're kind of being forced to conform to the rules that pre-exist, and it seems to be becoming more abstract as a game. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm struggling with kind of how the rules translate into what's actually what models actually doing whereas when i was playing kill team i was like oh yeah cool of course the weapon works that way because like that's you know that's how that type of weapon works and it feels like you know 
you roll to hit and it's like, or you, yeah, you, you use your skill as to whether or not you can even aim the hit up and then you roll to wound and that's like whether or not it's going to ping off a bit of armour or the dude's going to notice and duck out the way. And like, so, I just feel like the, the steps of logic said, translate into this, well, the word cinematic is a word they use a as lot. As you said, GW have had a lot more practice yeah. with this and I feel like in much the same way that, you know, you know, well... You know, they, they've they've failed a lot more than Guild Ball as well. They've had yeah. opportunities oh, yeah. to learn I mean, from they, they their mistakes. They had to blow up the entirety of the old world because yeah. the game, game got so big just, and bloated. Yeah, and <laughs> this is the this is the thing is that it is like you said they're trying a lot of new stuff, um, and some of it's going to stick and some of it's not going to. Um, you know, and I'm sure other games like you know the, the Guild Ball isn't the only one, but that's one that we're all familiar with. Um, you know, they they still have lots of time to make mistakes and rectify it and all that jazz. But definitely, um, this is one that's I'd much prefer it to Necromunda. I found Necromunda a yeah. bit too. Necromunda is an old game, right? This this yeah, is a much newer. Yeah, is this is also like an evolution of the Kill Team idea? Because as I said, like the Kill Team rule set's been around for a while. I think it originally came out in like early two thousands. I, I didn't play it, and then we got one that came out a couple of years ago. It was based on seventh. And it, w- it wasn't very much different from 7th. It was just, you could choose different units. Yeah. So you could do some silly stuff. Like the tower, you could bring full-on battle suits. Nice. It was just like, you could take this unit. And then yeah. we had Shadow Armageddon that was a lot, very much similar to, sort of, it was more in the complexity of Necromunda. Yeah, it was it very had, narrative. It, had, it was very mm. narrative, had all this stuff in it, because I, I didn't really play much of it, because um, the units were quite limited, and I didn't, I didn't own any of those units. Um, um, and yeah, but it had it had lots of complexity to it, and it was there was a lot of stuff going on. And then we had obviously Necromunda, and that was kind of a revival of a very old of an older game, and you could definitely tell that. Sorry. Um, and then you've got this one, which is which is based off the latest edition, but it's got like nuances on it to focus on each individual model and the small such a small play space that you have. And they've also like they've added in essentially stratagems, but they're called tactics. And they oh, work. Yeah, we like, didn't play. They work we like didn't they, get that far. So they work like they do in AOS, which is yeah, you, you get boys. one at the start of the game, uh, and if you have a leader, so um, when you build a kill team, you get a leader of your choice, uh, and then you get three specialists in match play, and they're basically like they're like experts. So you can have a guy who's a sniper, and he gets to reroll ones to hit, or you can have one that's a zealot, and he can, he gets plus one attack and plus one strength on the charge because he's and screaming because he's screaming and crazy, <laughs> and like so when you go in the rule book, it'll tell you which units you can what models you can take and what specialists they can be and like what guns they can take and stuff like that and then each faction has its own stratagems there's some generic ones as well and depending on what specialists have you always can get some more so there's loads of options for these um what these tactics tactics or command points can do for you and i find that's really interesting oh and in, this is it's also a great step up from you know other games in that if someone's listening to this right now and you have any way of accessing uh, cool rule books, you can get some of the data cards and stuff. You can literally just go down to your friend at local games stop, buy a team, and then you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, o- only one of, of you in your group needs to buy a rule book. You yeah. know, and then you've all got access to, to all that information. And, and then, yeah, it. and you, you can pick up a box good. of models for what, 16 quid, 18 yeah. quid? Depending on where you buy them. If you buy them here, they're 10% off, so yeah, it'd be like 18 quid. Hint, hint. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, that's that's really nice. And then you can go away and you can hobby the absolute hell out of these little guys. Mm-hmm. And they can be, and it's nice because um, I played two games in the evening. It took about an hour a game. Admittedly, one game I got absolutely destroyed in it. Um, but I did, as I said, we were talking about like the 
like the narrative element. I had one guy, he had three flesh wounds on him. It was great. <laughs> and he was just like, I'm not going to die. <laughs> just immediately, rolling around. Immediately, the immediately after the flesh wounds, you do die. But he was just like, nope, nope, I'm fine. I'll hit you on sixes, but it's fine. Yeah. It's basically the Black Knight from Monty Python. Yeah, it's yeah. his butt flesh wound. You ain't got any legs. And that's sort of part of what we were talking about at the beginning, kind of come full circle, that like the, the flesh wound mechanic and the kind of not die mechanic is part of what balances yeah. it out as a smaller game. So yeah, essentially so when, when people take a wound, they don't just die like yeah. they do in uh, the big games. You roll and you might not die, you might take a flesh wound instead, but then every time you take a flesh wound, you're more likely to die the next time you, you just take slow a wound. Down so it's it's got that and it has like disadvantages in other ways as like, well. Like the, the sort of jumping between buildings and the flesh wound things, like that's all from like sort of Shadow War and sort of Necromunda, but, and they, but they put it in such a way that it's not really complicated. It's like a simple, like, you take minus one. You're easier to hurt next round if I shoot you. Which, and once it, again, makes sense. And it adds that... I, th- I found it definitely added that layer of strategy. Like, okay, that guy's got a really scary gun. Because when I was playing the first game, someone had a someone had a nasty grenade launch, and I was like, right, I need to shoot that guy before he shoots me. Mm. That way I can degrade his shooting so he won't... Actually, it wouldn't have, but that's... Beside. Yeah, I can shoot him, degrade his saving, so he won't hit my guys and won't kill them, because it was vicious. Yeah. It didn't work... But the like the that level of strategy. The strategy was, was sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And kind of once again, coming full circle, now that we've explored all the bits and you know, first impressions of it, it's not perfect, but it's fun. It's a really fun game. I enjoyed playing it. It's something that I would like to play Games again. Games are getting good at fun. Yeah. Like, they're getting really good <laughs> at fun. I, I am actually finding myself thinking, yeah, I this one, it doesn't seem so daunting because like I said, I'm not as experienced in this sort of thing. And to have something scaled down and maybe not quite as complicated is very reassuring yeah. for new players. But yeah, it you know, just you know, rounding and, off with impressions, fun, and, which and, I'm surprised about. You know, that that's really how it should be as well in, in terms of the journey into the bigger products that, you know, because like and what happened with old Warhammer Fantasy, like the game was so huge that nobody could actually get into it. So it was only, like, the products were all being marketed to existing players because they couldn't attract new players to it because it was all too big and complicated. Well, and Whereas now, what they're doing yeah. now is creating, they're, they're doing a really good job of creating this journey. Like, here's a product you can start with that's cheap, and then you're going to go, oh, I may as well add a few more to this, and oh, and then I can play this type of game, and then I can, and eventually, and you've, like, you know, three years later, yeah. you've got a flat full of plastic, and you can't move plastic models, yeah, you're and like, you're playing, you're playing <laughs> 10,000 point games, you know. Don't look at me. <laughs> you, you, can, you can you can go from something like Hilton and say, you know what? I want a challenge. Yeah. I'm gonna go up to this instead of just instantly being thrust in. It's like right, so you're gonna need this many points and this. And yeah, this exactly. Like, this ah, is gonna cost you three hundred quid. Me. You know, <laughs> what we've also got is we, we have talked. We talked about the 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 core set a lot. But there's loads of other stuff coming oh, yeah, right, for yeah. it as well. So you've got, at the moment, there's, there are two Kill Team boxes. So they've got a Kill Team in them. They've got all the cards for them. And then they've got a little bit of scenery in there as well. Um, for and a the, board, right? For the Orcs. I don't, think, I don't think the Kill Teams themselves have got boards. There's oh, it's like that big scenery the, the, box the, that's there's got There's the Sector yeah. Mechanicus. So that's got loads of scenery and a board in it. And then we've got two more Kill Teams coming out this week. And so a lot of them, are, they're just like a Kill Team plus um, scenery. And it's it's really nice. It's like they're like thirty pounds. Yeah, or something. cheap. Like uh, yeah, I thought forty five. Are they? I, th- I think they're thirty three seventy five from us. Okay. So they're about thirty Once again, I'm not looking at it thinking, oh god, it's just going to complicate the pool. It's going to make it too bulky. It's going to over inflate it, or 
you know, completely mm. muddy the water. You're thinking, oh, hey, cool, new a new little band of yeah. whatever it is uh, coming and to really fight. really good value for money as well, which I think is, you know, something else it, GW have struggled with and it seems over to, the years. It seems to definitely tick the boxes for the newer players, as, as you guys are talking about, because you're sort of relatively new, and it's like, oh, yeah, I've got this. So you, get, you get that element, because I find with, like, lots of new players, they'll tend to focus around their models, and their models will get stories, and they'll be like yeah this guy's got this and this guy's got this and that like kill team really lends itself mm. to that kind of play as i said earlier on but for like the existing players obviously they're using the models they already own and there's that level of like like matched players there so you've got that level of like working out lists and being like okay i want this specialist and this special and this specialist because i get this this and this and he wants to have this gun and he wants to have this gun or this melee weapon or whatever and you've got that sort of all that sort of micromanagement yeah. with your dudes and that's what like as an experienced sort of Warhammer player that's the thing I want that's what I want from the game I want that kind of strategy but I also like the the fun elements like briefly briefly going on to campaigns like it's there there's all the rules for campaigns and it's really straightforward it's just like you have some resources and like if you win a match you get this many resources if you lose a match you get this many resources and it's really straightforward yeah i mean because because one of the things i've been doing is, is comparing it to frostgrave because I, I bought frostgrave which is a, a whole other miniatures game we'll deal with that another time we have established but, for the record that if i uh buy into frostgrave before i finish painting my guild ball team john gets to hit me once <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i bought i bought into frostgrave and frostgrave felt to me similar but in a fantasy setting like frostgrave is pretty much what age of sigma would be if it was kill team right it's yeah. like a fantasy version of this very very similar thing warband but all set up from the ground up as a campaign thing like leveling up and you have wizards that level up and they can hire war bands and all that kind of stuff but in terms of like the core rules jumping falling how it's navigated tons of scenery on the table that's all very similar so i think uh kill team is kind of partly probably a response to that because frostgrave has done relatively well simply because it's so cheap so frostgrave came out a few years ago right it's not new it's no, kind it's of been around for a little while. It's just we, we got it in interested. here recently, yeah. so yeah. it kind of people became interested. People, have, in people it. have mentioned it before. Yeah, I mean, like I asked us if we have it, and it's like it immediately. I I'd never really heard of it, but then it's like more and more people. I was like, okay, I have a look at this thing, and yeah, it's it seems like it's one of those things that that people are into, and it's one of those sort of. And like you know, what's nice about around. what's nice about Frostgrave is from from the ground up, the rulebook is just like you don't need to use our models, you don't need to buy our stuff. Like these rules can be used with anything, and like you know, use pots and pans and books for scenery if you want. Like use your existing models, and like GW Play obviously don't do that quite want. as much. But in reality, you could use any models for Kill Team. Mm. If you pick up a core rulebook, that is basically all you need to buy, yeah. right? You don't as long as you can differentiate what model is what. You know, you wanna, it's nice to have the official models, If you want to take the head of a Skaven and stick it on an orc's body and cover the whole thing in pink glitter... Space you, Marine, mate. That's what I want to do, is Space Marine with Skaven heads. Yeah, you're welcome so to good. do that. It's great. <laughs> well, and this is the thing, is because it's just this freaky little ragtag skirmish thing, anyone could rock up. You could have a team of mixed individuals who all banded together for a common mm. cause. You can give them these little elements. And definitely for people who maybe get a little bit more attached to their 40k models, this is... A nice way to, you know, if you've got an army but secretly you have a favourite model, put them on a kill team. You know, have a bit of let them have their moment. Yeah, no, it's it's very, it's very bad because I'm like, I really like the the Tempestus dudes. I could own te-. like because it's yeah. one of those things with like there's like a squad of dudes and it's like I really like those dudes, but I can't have them because yeah, I don't like, have those. I mean, armies, you could like, use the millions of models you already have, or you could just buy more. Chris. Why not? Why not do that? Go on, Chris. <laughs>
<laughs> so leave me alone. So sort of, you know, I think I think we can we can conclude it there, talking Definitely. about buying it. So buying into uh, the start set. So we're at Athena Games selling the start set for sixty eight quid, right? Which is like, mm, is it going up? It's going up. Yeah. It's going up, right? Yeah. It's going up to what? Uh, it is going up to. Can't how much. Little it's Johnny fact check. Uh, brain. Mm. We're sixty eight quid right now, though. If they literally bought it today. If you sprint here now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we were doing it twenty five percent off, right? And I think it'll uh, go we were to doing fifteen percent. Fifteen percent off, and it'll go to ten. Yeah. So it's not going to be much more than that. Yeah. So it's cheap. It's very very cheap for what you get in the box as well. You get a ton of scenery in there. Seventy two. Seventy two. So you know, still yeah, yeah four quid more. So it's fine. Uh, I think that makes sense because I believe it's eighty quid, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so something like that. But anyway, it's cheap. You get a ton of scenery <laughs> in that. Bless you. You get a ton of scenery in that box. You get the ten models in that box. You get the board in that box. You get the core rule book in that box. It's I mean, a heavy if box. If you add up the cost of all those things, that box is definitely worth the it's money. Like the like, it, it's like a really good box. Fifty quid price. And and the then the secondary boxes. So there's an orcs box right now. Um, there's and a space wolves box. The fangs of Ulrich. Um, and there's like another scenery box which contains a secondary board there's data cards there's all the normal there's tape measures coming out this weekend there's dice coming out this weekend two more expansions oh yeah the nice little cases cases. which actually are great cases for any small skirmish game like and they're only 18 quid so again from us here at Athena Uh, so again very very good there's a lot of products around this that have come out that are actually kind of useful outside of this it's a good way of getting cheap scenery mm. it's you know those little skirmish cases they brought out for it are actually a really genuinely good product at a really good price i was really surprised when i saw them i was like oh they're gonna be like you know citadel tax through the roof they're gonna be way too expensive but they're, they're proper, actually really not they're, they're actually nice. really good value um and so if you want to get into this game essentially all you need to do is buy the core box right or you could just buy the the core rule book and play with bottle yeah. caps like you don't need actual minis cool for this game is, is available is separately all you need yeah and that's 2250 yeah. from us all you'd need is and it's a, it's a really nice like softback book with everything you nice need nice stuff and all you'd really need is some bases you could take some pebbles glue them to some bases and paint like put googly eyes on them and that would work yeah. like it's nice I mean I wouldn't actually I kind of want to do that now <laughs> But I can assure you that once you start looking at 40k models, you're going to want to buy them. Yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so basically uh, you can go to athenagames.co.uk where you can buy all these things online. If you don't live in Norwich or if you are in Norwich, come down to the shop. We also have a demo copy here, so we will happily show you how the game works. And if you can't get to here, then I'm sure... Uh, you know, or your, your friendly, friendly local, local game shop will also have demo demo copies and I'm sure have sort of various offers and things. Um, excuse me. He's just really emotional about Hilton. Yeah, really, I just... Tears of joy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Games Workshop are making fun stuff, you guys. Yeah, they really are. To They're conclude, really doing a good job of it. I think we know the answer here, but would we draw or discard it? I would draw, draw. it. Draw. It's in my yeah. bag. <laughs> yeah, no, really, really good product. You have like, check it out, guys. Talked. We'll chuck up some links and things for you to have a look at on on Facebook as well. Um, and we will try and do some more podcasts. I've been a bit lax the last month or so. It was I'm like it was my birthday, and it's been really hot. And I was like, graduating. Stuff yeah, so stuff's been <laughs> happening. But we will try and get some more podcasts out. I mean, we can guarantee we're going to do like one a month ish. We'll try and do them a bit faster than that. Uh, but essentially, if something catches our eye, we will have a chat about it. And if there's anything you want us to have a chat about, uh, do get in touch with us. Uh, draw and. Scarred, uh, 
Yeah, that's us. Bye. <laughs> no way. Uh, at Draw and Discard on Twitter, uh, facebook.com forward slash Draw and Discard. Um, or you can email us, drawanddiscard at gmail.com. We're on SoundCloud or, and yeah, iTunes. SoundCloud, iTunes, like whatever. There's various ways to get in touch with us. Um, if you do listen to us and you do like us, please give us a review on iTunes or Facebook or whatever. There's various ways of like giving us stars. Do give us some stars because, I mean, it just helps other listeners find Otherwise us I'll and cry. hopefully helps the podcast grow. Um, but yeah. That's 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 that. So yeah, if you want to buy Kill Team, then buy it. <laughs> I, mean, I love how that's always our advice. Yeah. We get to the we get to the draw and discard bit, and we're like, oh yes, we we draw our discard. And it was like, just like if you want it, go buy it. It's because I always feel bad because it's like you know people have put a lot of effort into making these products. I feel like if if we slag something off, and then at the end we're like, yeah, so we didn't like it, but you know if you want to buy it, like it's it's fine if you do. Like I never want to like be mean about stuff because some people like things that are terrible. <laughs> You know, what can you do? But this one isn't. This is a good thing, and you should buy it. But if you do think it's terrible, that's fine too. (laughs) We are all entitled to our own minds. It's just some of us are right. allowed to have (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, so thank you very much. Thank you very much, Hannah. No problem. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Games Workshop. Yeah, thank you very much, GW. Keep making good products. Oh, no worries. No worries. And uh, yeah, well, GW have like doubled their profits in the last yeah. year, haven't they? So hopefully, we should see a lot they of cool stuff coming from them. Rolling in it, they really are, and it's good because they're clearly investing a lot of that into yeah. R and D. So they're doing yeah. something right. Cool. So cool. we'll see you next time on the Draw and Discard podcast. Bye. Bye. Draw and Discard is devised, written, and performed by the hosts of the show. Produced and edited by John Brownlee. Main theme written and produced by Jilted and Tom Jennings. Incidental music also produced by Jilted, unless otherwise stated in the show notes. Check out facebook.com forward slash draw and discard for more info. I like to imagine that we, you know, are in like some big HQ right now. This is our recording booth. Yeah, yeah. We've got the champagne. Hey, man. Thing in, in the, the penthouse. Corner. In the penthouse, yeah, I'm drawing this car penthouse. I mean, this is nearly a penthouse, right? Um, it's a penthouse sure. suite, it's, certainly. It's the top floor. Yeah. This is the top floor of somewhere. That is the only way in which it is <laughs> <laughs> penthouse. We've made it, guys. It's, uh, it's high up. We've made it. Yeah. If, uh, I can see people who are on the street. Yeah. Below me. Below me. Pigeons. Chris, Chris, Chris and I are not used to seeing people below us. Yeah, so. no, that's, that's not something. That's true, yeah. <laughs>